Good afternoon and happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to episode 30 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your host, Gabe, and thank you for listening. In this episode, I will give you my takes on last night's Monday night football game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. I'll give my final takes from week 10 in the NFL, give you a Thursday night football preview, and I will end with all the latest trades in the NBA yesterday. So without further ado, let's get started. My opening take starts with last night's Monday night football game between the Minnesota Vikings and Chicago Bears. This was a low scoring defensive game for the most part. Of course, I was wrongly predicted that the Chicago Bears would pull this one out. The Minnesota Vikings won the game 19 to 13. Kurt Cousins had 292 yards passing, two touchdowns and a pick. Dalvin Cook got 96 hard yards on the ground. I mean, the Bears were on top of him a good part of that game. He did have one big run, but overall, those 96 yards were probably the toughest 96 yards he's going to have this year. And their rookie, Justin Jefferson, had 135 yards rushing. So it looks like they already found their replacement for Stephon Diggs. But once again, the Bears are plugged by an inept offense. I mean, Nick Foles had 106 yards passing and a pick. Of course, unfortunately, he got hurt toward the end of the game. So hopefully he recovered from his injury. And the Bears offense only had 41 yards rushing. Now I get it, David Montgomery, their top running back, is out, but I don't think it would have made a difference. I mean, this offense is just terrible. I mean, if I'm the if I'm Khalil Mack, Ro- Roquan Smith, and Eddie Jackson, and some and mo- on all that whole defense of the Chicago Bears, I got to be frustrated, angry that their efforts are getting wasted week after week. I mean, they do everything they can to keep the Bears in the game and the offense fails to deliver. I mean, they may not say it in public, which in a way I hope they don't because I'm not a fan of um, players calling out their teammates in public. But if they were to do so, I think I'd make an exception here because they're, 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 they're doing their part. Now the offense has to do their part because in football, you can't have one without the other. You can't have the defense without the offense and vice versa. As for the Vikings, since Dalvin Cook has returned to the lineup, they've won three in a row and they're looking to make a push for the playoffs of course they, they still got the Packers in front of them and they're one and one against the Packers so the best thing they can do now is continue to win and run the table and hope the Packers slip up I don't think that's going to happen though but oh, we never know strange things happen because in November and December Games are win and loss. 
And it also determines whether you're going to make the playoffs or not. Now I'm going to turn to my final takes from week 10 in the NFL. My first final take is, does anybody in the NFC East want to win this division? You figure the Eagles coming off a bye had it, would, would want to do so. I mean, they were 3-4 and four going into the bye week, so all they had to do was beat the Giants on Sunday, and they'd have been 4-4. Four and four. The only team in that division with a winning record. But unfortunately for them, they lost to the Giants 27-17. I mean, Daniel Jones and that offense was taking it to them. And of course, Carson Wentz didn't have a great performance. But some par. So it doesn't look like nobody wants to win this division. Because whoever wins it, it's going to be kind of embarrassing. Because the team is going to have a losing record. I mean, all you got to do is look at what's coming up. I mean, let's look at the Eagles' schedule here going the rest of the way. I mean, they have the Browns this Sunday. They have the Seahawks, the Packers, the Saints, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, and the Redskins to close it out. How many wins do you see from the Eagles based on this schedule? I don't see many. I might only see two at best. And that's the last two games, the Cowboys and the Redskins. After that, I see nothing but losses. Even though it was a possibility they could probably catch Cleveland if Cleveland is caught napping. But after that, I don't see many wins after that. Now let's go to the Dallas Cowboys. Let's look at what they got going forward. I mean, they got the Vikings this Sunday, the Redskins on Thanksgiving, the Ravens, the Bengals, the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Giants to close it out. Now, how many possible wins do you see on the Dallas Cowboys schedule the rest of the way? I don't see too many. I mean, out of the out of the seven that I name, I think I might see two wins. Maybe three. Maybe three. But They'll still have a losing record going forward. Now the Giants improved to 3-7. And and it'd be interesting to see if they could run the table. They get get into the playoffs. Here's what they have left. They have the Bengals, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Browns, the Ravens, and the Cowboys. How many wins do you see there? I only see two. As I say, maybe three if you can um, catch Cleveland on a bad day. But I only see two, maybe three. So, I mean, if I only see two or three, you're looking at five and 11. And finally, the Washington football team. I mean, maybe if Alex Smith had came back a little bit earlier, he might have had a chance to save them. So here's what I have for 
the Redskins. They had the Bengals, Cowboys, Steelers, 49ers, Seahawks, Panthers, and the Eagles to close it out. Now, how many wins do you see for the Redskins? I see a, I see a maybe a couple, maybe one or t- two or three, but that's about it. So, this division is ugh, awful. I mean, like I said, it needs to be an exception to the to the rule that if the if the division team wins the division with a losing record, they should not host the playoffs. I mean, sure, since they won the division, they should get in the playoffs, but to host a playoff game, I mean, I would say the same thing, and I know this is a off topic. That if the Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys have losing records going into Thanksgiving Day games, they should not be hosting those games. They need to have a flex schedule for Thanksgiving if the Cowboys and the Detroit Lions don't have winning records. So my second final take is... The biggest winners of the 2020 NFL season. I believe it's the Buffalo Bills and the Arizona Cardinals. Let me explain. These these two teams got the biggest acquisitions of the offseason. And these acquisitions have made the biggest impact on their teams. I'm talking about for the Bills, Stefan Diggs, and for the Cardinals, DeAndre Hopkins. And if you don't believe it, you need to watch Sunday's game between the Buffalo Bills and the Arizona Cardinals. Both Stefan Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins made big plays for their team. Stefan Diggs caught what he thought was the winning touchdown pass over Patrick Peterson. They give the Bills the lead late in the fourth quarter against the Cardinals. Then Kyler Murray threw what I believe is the play of the year, the 43-yard Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins to steal the victory away from the Buffalo Bills. And what's amazing about these is these two receivers are one and two respectively in the NFL as far as yardage. Stefan Diggs has 906 yards receiving, and DeAndre Hopkins has 861 yards receiving. I mean, you got to give kudos to these organizations for being able for being able to acquire both of these men, and it has proven to be to be good for their teams because now both of their teams have a chance to win their division and host a playoff game. As I stated um, yesterday, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I am sick right now knowing that Bill O'Brien traded away DeAndre Hopkins and now Kyler Murray gets to enjoy him for for possibly a decade. As far as the, the Buffalo Bills go, 
Josh Allen gets to enjoy Stefan Diggs for possibly the next five or ten years. So these guys are going in their third and second year respectively are in, are in good hands. And my third and final take from week 10. The Raiders are back. The Raiders are on a roll. They won three in a row. And they're 3-0 and in their division. I mean, John Gruden has got these guys clicking. I mean, of course, the running game, I believe, has been, you know, the staple which is which has held the Raiders. I mean, Derek Carr has done his thing. You know, not spectacular numbers, but good enough. The defense, I'm still a little sus, um, not keen on them too much, but they've done an they've done a okay enough. They're still sus, suspect in my opinion, but either way, I mean the Raiders. Arguably, could be the sneakiest, most dangerous team in the NFL right now. And nobody may want to see this team in the playoffs. Now, of course, they're 6-3 they're and three and they're about to go against the Chiefs once again. So, if they can win the final... I mean, if they can keep a winning record and sneak into the playoffs... You never know. Now I'm going to switch gears to the Thursday night football game between the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. Of course, I won't be with you again until Friday, so I'm going to go ahead and give you my take on this game. We got round two between Russell Wilson and Kyla Murray. Kyla Murray won the first matchup. 37 to 34 in overtime, and I in which which I believe was the best game of the year in the NFL thus far. The Cardinals are rising, and the Seahawks are falling. The Seahawks are one in three in their last four games. Russell Wilson, who was lighting it up, is now turning it over. And of course, Kyla Murray and DeAndre Hopkins have been on a tear. I mean, this is right now the best quarterback to combo in the NFL. The Cardinals have a chance to go up 3-0 and take the lead in the division. While the Seahawks, if they lose this Thursday, will fall to 1-3 in the division. And that will make it kind of hard for them to win this division unless the Cardinals and the Rams start falling. I'm going to have to go with the Arizona Cardinals right now because I think they're the better team. I mean, the Seahawks defense is their Achilles healed. I mean, even with Jamal Adams coming back, they still haven't gotten much better. And Russell Wilson, if he has a if he has an off game, they're gonna lose. So 
It's gonna be a hard, it's gonna be a close game, just like it was the first time. But I think in the end, Kyler Murray will lead a game-winning drive and propel the Cardinals 30 to 26. Now I'm gonna close out with the NBA. Now the draft's about to come up, but there were some impactful trades yesterday in the NBA. Of course, we'll start with Chris Paul. Chris Paul was traded to the Phoenix Suns. Now, this is actually a pretty nice move. I mean, you team him up with Devin Booker and you have a nice backfield. The Suns, I think, will be a playoff team. But they're no match for the the, t- the upper tier of the Western Conference. My Lakers, the Clippers, Golden State, the Denver Nuggets. So I believe they'll make the playoffs with this move. Because, I mean, you know what you're going to get with Chris Paul. The guy's one of the best field generals in the NBA. But... I'm looking at maybe first or second round, and then they'll get put out. The Milwaukee Bucks. Looks like they're trying to show Giannis that you don't need to go anywhere. You can stay right here in Milwaukee. They acquired June Law, June Holiday, I'm sorry, from the Pelicans for three first round picks. And from Sacramento, the Bucks required. Bogdan Bogdanovich. I like now this is a good move for the um Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, you get a guy in Holiday who can score but can play defense. I mean, part of the problem is their defense has been letting them down, especially against the Miami Heat in the playoffs. I mean, he's gonna give you, of course, Holiday's gonna give you 19 points and six assists. Now, Bogdanovich is going to give you 15 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists. So, they're basically telling Yanage, Hey man, we're doing everything we can to keep you here. Now, of course, it's not a guarantee that Yanage is going to, is going to stay. But, at least, now they've given him an incentive to possibly give Milwaukee a chance. As now for another trade that happened was the Robert Covington of the Houston Rockets was traded to the Portland Trailblazers for Tariq, Tariq Aziz Ariza, I'm sorry <laughs> and two first round picks one in 2020 and one in 2021 I don't know what to say but old Trevor Ariza I mean this guy's been everywhere in the NBA I mean, it seems like every year or two, this guy's in a new uniform. I mean, he's a good, he's a good, he's a good player now. I mean, good, good wingman. I mean, he give you some defense, give you some threes. But for the Blazers, this 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 guy is going to be um, Covington is going to be able to help Damian Lillard, C.J. McCullough, and Carmelo Anthony. I mean. He gives, he gives you defense. He gives you about 12 points and 7 rebounds. 
So while this move is going to help them, they still won't be able to compete with the Western Conference tier. The ones I mentioned, Lakers, Clippers, Golden State, Nuggets. But that puts them up there with, you know, Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns. So we'll see what happens if the Blazers can improve with this with this move. And finally, James Harden. James Harden is determined to join Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. James Harden recently turned down a $50 million extension. He's basically telling the Rockets, I want out. I guess in a way you can't blame him because he's 32 years old. He hasn't come close to sniffing the NBA Finals. Of course, the closest was a couple years ago when they blew a 3-1 lead to the Golden State Warriors. When they had a chance to win that series in the Western Conference semifinals. So I get it. He didn't want his legacy to be, ah, he was a good, prolific scorer, but no rings. Because we all know that's what today's NBA is about. It's not about, you know, building a team, I mean, being the face of a team, of a, of a franchise, it's about ring chasing. It's about these super teams. It's not about, you know, I want to, it's not like, you know, Jordan wants to beat Boston, wants to beat Detroit, you know, and everybody wants to beat Magic and the Lakers. I mean, that era is gone. So, the question, of course, is going to be whether the Brooklyn Nets are willing to mortgage the future for James Harden. Because what they're basically saying by making this move is that we have at least a three to five year window to win a championship. Now, of course, this will make the Eastern Conference wide open. Because you're going to have the Miami Heat, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Sixers, the Brooklyn Nets, the Boston Celtics. But still, even with this move, I still don't believe they can beat any of the top teams in the West in a seven-game series in the finals. Oh, I also forgot to mention in the East, Toronto Raptors. So the East then conference will be just as wide open 
as the Western Conference, if the Brooklyn Nets is able to make this move. But at what cost? At what cost? We'll wait and see. Now, this will conclude this episode of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your host, Gabe, and thank you for listening and downloading. You can catch my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other podcast platforms. You can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13. I'd like to thank you again for listening and downloading. Hope you have a great Tuesday, and I will talk to you again on Friday. Bye-bye. Thank you.